All right, it's the DT difference. It's 30 years experience in the game, DT systems. E-collars we've been using for a while now, but let's quickly talk about their dummy launchers. They got the Super Pro dummy launcher and the remote dummy launcher. It's a great way for you and your dog to get ready for duck season. Loud bangs, make sure your dog's cool with gunfire before you use it. But I want you to add it to your repertoire, bag of tricks, and get you and your dog ready for duck season. It's the Super Pro Dummy Launcher by DT. Hashtag man's best kennel. It's Gunner Kennels, baby. It's a kit. We had Addison on the, the podcast, a phenomenal dude, always innovating our industry. And one of the things that he brought up is it's a kit. It's not just the kennel itself. You've got the fan 2.0 for your summer, right? Like it's hot out. We got to keep that dog cool. In wintertime, you've got the all weather kit. Keeps that poor body temperature in there so the dog doesn't have to work as hard to stay warm. They also have the magnetic door accessory that keeps that body temperature in there. And then the straps. Everybody thinks like, oh, just go to Home Depot and get the cheapo straps. Well, listen, they developed these straps so that basically you can lift a VW bug with the two straps. So if you were to get in a car accident on the way to the duck blind or the training grounds, that dog is going to be beyond strapped and stay safe. Check it out. Gunner Kennels, baby. Slide into the DMs. We'll hook you up. Force fetch. What is it? It's super intimidating to so many people, yet it's not that difficult. I built a step-by-step process that helps you understand it. You and your dog can be successful in it and it takes the intimidation away of the process so that you and your dog can get to your goals. That's what it's built for. Let me teach you how I do it so that you and your dog can do it. Different breeds, different personalities, problem solving, and more. Check it out. Links in the description. The Force Fetch Course. Baby. What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode, a rousing episode. It is just me and Kevin tonight. I'm looking at his face. We've got a new audio system, and so I hope that our audio quality has increased. We've heard that, you know, we've listened, we've, we've seen the comments, that, that and we want to provide you better stuff, right? So let us know. Drop a comment in on Facebook or Instagram or or in Facebook or, or not Facebook, what's it called, iTunes, and just give us a holler and say, man, we noticed the quality it is a little bit better with our guests, speakers, and so we're trying hard. We want you guys to have the best podcast possible. So thank you for tuning in. We've got a great episode coming up. Just me and him. We're going to do some Q&A. We're going to do some good house creeping. We've got a couple of really cool announcements, so stay tuned. But you know what we got to do, baby. Shoot or shoot. Mm. That powder. That smoky, smoky powder, man. We had a good duck season. It was a rough one for some days, and then we were blazing saddles the others. But you know what we were throwing down range? That Kent bismuth. Check them out on Instagram. It's Kent Cartridge. And if you want to dig into that bismuth, don't hold yourself back. Treat yourself. Next up, Dogtra. Dogtra e-collars, making every dog exceptional. And you know what? In my hand, in my back pocket, in my gun bag when I'm duck hunting is a Dogtra. It has been for the last 10 plus years, and it's their customer service 
and quality product, but that customer service that keeps me coming back for more. They've got a great team behind them. They've got great technology, super durable, long-lasting, and what do I want to say? Not diverse, but, well, we'll say diverse. They've got a diverse spectrum to match your needs. We use the Edge RT every day. That's what I use for training. It's a three-dog unit, and then I recommend to people that 1900S. So if you're a go out and train a couple day kind of guy or gal and you like to hunt that 1900s is going to be your buddy check it out at loneduckoutfitters.com or dogtra.com and follow them at dogtra official on the old instagrams baby next up shimokum if you got um gavi i made some good foods the other day bud you did down south i you did boil low country well, yeah, uh, no, not on the Traeger. I don't know. How, I feel like they would have to come and show me how to do that, but we made them ribby ribs. Uh, I loved Did it, you dude. Did not make enough this time? Usually no, that's your I, go-to. I know. No, the ribby ribs were delicious. Uh, and also, uh, actually, since the last time we chatted, I made it a pork butt, too. So we did uh, pulled pork and some ribby ribs, and... I'm lucky. Like I didn't bring my big old Traeger grill down here, but the family that we stay with, they're great friends, they're great clients. They co-own crews with me. They have a Traeger. So if you want to get into a Traeger, you want to learn more, check them out. Traeger grills at the Instagrams and tell them we sent you, baby. Slide into the DMs. If you got questions, we'll hook it up kevin real quick what one do you have you have the ironwood 885 oh yeah yeah you got the big dog dude you got the big dog yeah you got the big dog i got the medium dog i'll take it i can look and see but it's roughly like you can fit like 15 to 16 whole chickens inside this traeger just in case you need to that's like a whole team of chickens yeah no, I know. You could run a sled dog team with chickens in that Ironwood 885. Next up, we got Gunner Kennels. Man's best kennel. If there's another company out there that understands and cares about the unspoken bond, it's Gunner Kennels. They literally designed the best kennel on the market. Crate, kennel, whatever you want to call it, on the market to protect your dog rolling down the road. So if it hits the fan, your dog's protected. And actually, we got a good buddy, Adam Campbell. You've heard him on the Dog House podcast. His client, who I met at Master Nationals, super good dude, he and his dog, Bullet, are like spokespeople, if you will, for Gunner Kennels because he was going at 4 in the morning, duck hunting, got smoked by a drunk driver going 100 miles an hour head on, and the only thing he remembers is asking the police officer and EMTs, is my dog okay? And Bullet was okay. He was like 100 feet away from the truck in his gunner kennel, but they said he's wagging his tail. We'll get him to safety. We got to take you to the hospital, bud. He had a bunch of broken bones, messed up surgeries. He's good now, but the point is his dog survived and was wagging his tail just fine because of a gunner kennel. So, you invest your, in your dog emotionally. You invest in your dog financially. What's it cost to have that safety? Get into a gunner kennel. You can slide into the DMs. We'll get you some pricing on them. We'll get you hooked up. Come on, baby. 
get into that gunner kennel. Next up, we got a little announcement. It's been a new year. It's a sad but adventurous new year. We decided to make a move from Yukonuba, who's been a massive supporter of Lone Duck, uh, of Kevin and I, of our team that we've built here. Um, we can't thank him enough for believing in us and, and this show that you all enjoy. It's been brought to you by Yukonuba, baby. And we love that that team there. But in the last few months, we've been playing with numbers and we've been working out ways to provide you guys, our listeners. And I'm, I, this is off the cuff. I'm not reading anything. I, I'm just talking from my heart. Because A, grade A number one, Yukonuba is a great dog food. They're a great group of people. And we can't think of them enough for believing in us. But we've had some issues with supply chain, and you guys have switched. You know, you, you took the Yukonuba challenge, and you switched, and then you had a little supply chain error, and it was tough to get it. Doesn't take away from the quality of dog food. They just were selling out of it. It's a good problem to have. And then I got a phone call from... Uh, a, a great dude, and he happens to be the you can or excuse me the Purina representative that that talks to professional dog trainers and and gets us all in a group here and and man, I've fed Purina before Yukonuba for uh, man, ah, what do you think, Kev? Eight years. Our dog's whole life, really. Yeah, growing I mean, up, I mean that's all he ate. Yeah, I mean, back when we had Nelson, right? And then, and then when it Buck, all started, yeah. And then Buck, all these dogs had been on Purina, and when people would send me a message and say, "I feed this," what do you suggest? Like I feed Purina, should I switch to Yukonuba? And my answer was, "You're feeding the those two options are the two best dog foods you can feed to a dog." The science behind the food, the money they spend to figure out what best suits our sporting dogs is there. They're not trying to come up with the fancy marketing. They're not trying to come up with a, a new logo to make you feel better about feeding this dog food. It's not a wolf eating a fish. These two... <laughs> Yeah, it's not like a Shih Tzu turning into a wolf, turning into a, a little treat snack, and and it's all just garbage. These two dog foods are, are and companies care about providing nutrition to working dogs. And so if I if someone said, "Hey, I feed Purina," should I switch to Yukonuba? I say, "Man, you do what's best for you and your dog. If your dog's doing good on it, then you make that life choice. If you want to try Yuk, you'll be happy. If you want to stay on Purina, you're already happy." And so when Ray vote approached me with the opportunity to move to Team Purina. And we ran the numbers on on life as a business because that's what we're running, guys. I, I love you all, and I am here to not sell you a product. 
I'm not telling you Dogtra is the best when I don't believe it. I'm not telling you to buy a Traeger grill because I don't believe it. These people just happen to believe in us. And oh, by the way, they're the best in our, our niche. You know, Gunner Kennels. We didn't pick some half-ass kennel. We picked the best one to be a part of our team. So with that being said, it was a very difficult decision that Kevin and I had. I mean, what day is today? March 1st? So that's from January 1st. It took us three months to make a life choice because Yukonuba has been good to us. But Purina and us decided to work something out and make a plan for the next couple of years to provide you with that kind of sponsorship. And they're going to partner with us on the podcast. And we're thankful that they too believe in us and they believe in you guys, our listeners. So now I got to come up with a new tagline. You didn't think about that part yet, did you? I'm rolling with like pa 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 purina, baby. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. I got to work out the details. We're Hit gonna have up. to try a few on. Yeah. So here's my here's my game for you, the listener. You're gonna slide into the DMs. You're not gonna write it. Don't write it out. You need to hit the little microphone button and hold it down, and you need to come up with my new tagline to say, Lone Ducks, Gun Dog Chronicles, it's that, ba 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 Purina, baby. Okay? So you guys come up with it. I'll see what fits. We'll knock it out of the park together. But we're really proud to announce the new partnership with Purina Pro Plan. So, as I used to say, the food that fuels the truck of Lone Duck is now Purina. We've got large breed Pro Plan Sport 3020, 50 pound bags. That's what we feed our big dogs. They also have a uh, Purina Pro Plan Sport large breed puppy blend. And that's what our puppies are on as well. So we've been on them for a little while now since the switch, but. I had fed it for probably eight or 10 years before that. So the quality's there. The science behind the food is there. The give a crap about our community, our sport, our hunting dogs, our trial and competition and hunt test dogs, our breeding program, they care. And because they care, they believed in us to provide the information about their nutrition to give to you. So if you guys sat through that, which I hope you did because I care about it. I care about why we made a switch. We aren't switching sponsors every year to see who pays more money or some BS like that. This is a, a, a difficult decision that we made, and we feel like we're trying to make the right decision for everybody who listens to this show. And so I hope you all understand, and now we can move on. So for right now, it's... Purina, baby. All right, Kevy. What if I like rhyming and I like a good pun? But we got to get like a welcome to the arena. It's Purina. Ooh, step into the arena, baby, with Purina. I don't know. I I like it all. Yeah, I don't know. We got to try it on. 
Yeah, you know, we got to try it on for size. We had like the man in the arena. We got the man in the pure arena. We're gonna work. It'll work. Workshop it. We'll get there. All right. All right. Now let's get into the show, bud. So now we got some more good housekeeping. By the way, Bush Light has a largemouth bass edition can. Yeah, for ice fishing, right? I no. No, look at he's in a boat. Well, I can't see your camera. Like, doesn't work. Oh well, he's in a boat, bud. He's got a bass jumping out of the water crushing it and so we're gonna toast the new partnership with purina right there baby cheers to you cheers and uh let's get into the show so we've got some exciting news we made it south we survived you all knew that from a few of our other guests we've had on since we've been down here we started a new audio deal so we appreciate that kevin has to go on mute once in a while so if you hear a little difference in the that we're figuring that part out we're getting we're it. working. We're working yeah. it. Yeah, we're just a couple of knuckleheads that you know you guys listen to. Uh, and then next up, we are breeding or already bred at this point, Cruz and our girl Summit. So Mama Cruz got bred to. This is going to be her last litter. This is her her final litter. And she's had three before this, um, Master Hunters. A uh, few, you know, several senior hunters, junior hunters. They are family members, hunting companions, house pets, anything you can name. She's given people that kind of gift of of their hashtag unspoken bond, pet and hunting buddy. Is there any way you can rattle off a few? Maybe I'm putting you on the spot, but can you rattle off a few of the dogs that we talk about often on the show? that you have that people might be like, Oh, I remember that name. Like Hunter. Hunter's yeah. a cruise pup. Aries yeah. cruise pup. Yep. So Hunter and Aries are from her first litter with a dog named Rage. And Hunter is a master hunter. And he's working towards competing for uh, a spot at Master National. And we also are going to dabble this year running some field trials. Aries uh phenomenal hunting dog with our buddy Bill. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Desmarius. It's Bill Desmo on Instagram. So you all may know check him. Check him out. Bill. He's awesome. Desmos photos. Yeah. Bill Desmos on the old Instagrams. Uh, he has Aries and Aries and him hunt all over the East Coast and they travel each year and, and hunt all over these cool places. And Aries has a few master passes. He didn't make the trip south this year, but he'll be back this summer to kind of finish off his master title. Um, we had old Brew Dog. Brew Dog went and he was my dog and, and a, a great family and hunting home and shed hunting home. Snagged him up from Illinois. Um, Have you heard recently how Brew Dog's doing? Have you kept in touch? Yeah, uh, unfortunately, the first hunting season they had, they didn't really kill many birds, so it was slow for him. Shed hunting, apparently he's bad to the bone, no pun intended, or actually the pun we'll say is intended because I'm smart, and they're super happy, just a good dog, and I'm happy that Brew found a, a family to love him and enjoy him and do his do his thing, man, and they did have a better hunting season this year, so that's good for Brew. Trying to think of who else. Trapper. Trapper was a house dog to a, a older couple here in the south. 
but they spend their summers in the Adirondacks in New York, and he is... He wishes he was a duck dog. That sucker lives to retrieve, lives to swim, loves to hike, and is a, a great member of their family. Um, the second litter, our buddy Rob Mahoney. He's got Rip, the black male. Rip. I don't is, think I knew that Rip was a cruise pup. Yep, cruise and buoy's first litter. And Back to the Rip. Day. Nice. I, I'm embarrassed that I don't know his accolades, but I'm 99.99% sure that he's a senior hunter at just under, like, I think he was a year and a half as a senior hunter. Um, Ransom Derbies is ready to run master, and if not, maybe he's got a master pass or two from this last summer. Just a really well-rounded, balanced, good dog. And so I'm really proud of that. Um then a young man in upstate New York named Greg. Greg got another one from that first litter, and he himself, amateur trained at 16 years old, put a junior title on his dog and is doing all the steps needed to move forward with Senior Hunter and teaching him to run blinds. And so I fully expect Greg to have a Senior Hunter by this fall. Greg, shout out to you, big dog. You better get her done, son. No pressure. The whole podcast community is is waiting to hear. Uh, who else, man? I'm trying, I've got several. Oh, Wreck. Wreck is a second litter from Bowie and Cruz. I mean, we've, dude, I've been very fortunate enough to have a lot of dogs from her come back to train. And so I feel awful that my brain is like, Missing yeah, some. I mean, I guess I didn't mean to put you on the spot. I just know that there's, I think people would recognize some of the names that you just went through that they're dogs that are no joke. Yeah, they're they all, the balance is phenomenal family pet, super lovey-dovey because Cruz is, like they can't get pet enough. And then they have that drive. And so we decided to pair her with a dog named Dre. Now, if you don't know Dre, he is a master hunter. He is qualified all age, which is a field trial. He is a super retriever series amateur champion. So his owner is not a professional dog trainer. He's an amateur. His name's Steve Guzman. Good dude. Good buddy. Uh, I've known him for a long time. And Guzman and Dre are like, the South Carolina dream team, man, they go to SRSs and kick, butt. he made it to the crown and he was winning the crown, the SRS crown this past year. And a few bobbles took him out of first place. And so I fully expect Dre to come back this year. Um, he's already won one. So he's already automatically, you know, in for the crown this upcoming fall. Um, like first, uh, SRS of the season, he went out and beat everybody. So, uh, what else? He's a HRCH with a Grand Pass. If not, he's already a Grand Hunting Retriever champion. Like this dog is so well rounded. I, I couldn't have picked a better opportunity kind of dog to pair with Cruz. So that breeding took place last week. I'm really, really, really excited for this litter. We have to go through our wait list and reach out to people. Probably next week is my game plan. So as you guys are listening to this. Get with me on Instagram 
get it, and you have to be the real deal. And I mean this in the nicest way possible. No tire kickers, no, no holds barred for any of these puppies that we're going to talk about. This is, these are dogs that you, you should hunt, you should train, you should have a goal for them. They are, you don't have to run hunt tests. Like that's okay if you don't want to do that, but these dogs are, are special and I want them to go to special homes because this will be Cruz's last letter. So if you want to get in on her last letter, now's the time. Hit me in the DMs and uh, we can discuss it. Then, maybe you know, maybe you don't, I uh, acquired, bought a dog named Summit. Summit is a dark yellow, fox red female whose pedigree is stacked. Her father is one of the top producing male dogs in our country, in our, not just our country right this moment, but I mean like of all time. Her mother, super stacked pedigree, master hunter. Summit has what it takes. She just didn't have the upbringing like, like if she had the upbringing we all hope for, she'd be probably master hunter. I mean, she is just, she marks excellent excellent water attitude and very, very down to earth when it's time to be down to earth. When it's go time, she's on baby. Don't even think twice. She will knock down a brick wall to go get that duck. When it's downtime, she can hang out in the house. Very cool. Um, she's a little bit soft. And so because of that, I paired her with old Kaka Pterodactyl Blaine Tarnecki's HRCH, Master Hunter, Master National Pass, Kenny. Kenny's a dark yellow fox red male, built like a brick shit house. excuse my French, male. And he has, he's not hard-headed, but he is very willing to comply, very willing to take pressure, very willing to also run through a brick wall to go get a duck. And so what I'm hoping is we pair the drive and trainability of Summit, and we pair the drive and trainability of Kenny, and we bring up that little bit of softness from Summit, which makes her a great family companion, but a little bit soft, and we bring that Kenny in who's throw me another, throw me another, and we can just take it down just a hair, and we're going to provide a really beautiful, well-balanced, awesome, dark yellow litter. Um, again, people call them Fox red. I sort of don't like people who, I don't sort of, I don't like people who breed for color specifically. Right, Kevin, you're kind of, you just nod your head like. No, I, I, yeah, uh, agreed. I that's just, why I'm saying dark yellow Fox red. A, like, a bunch, yeah, I know. We've gone through this a bunch. If you haven't heard this rant, listen to our other podcast, but it's a doozy and we don't have to redo yeah. the rant. Yeah, I probably had a good, strong buzz going, but I don't want people to, like, I, I personally, like, ever since I was young, I like a dark yellow. Um, my first dog, Buck, was, is kind of light, light, light yellow, and his brother was dark yellow, but his brother didn't like the pigeon, his brother was super aloof, and so I took the one that I thought was going to be best, and he ended up being light yellow. But I always, always had in my mind that I just love this dark yellow, and that's why we got prairie. Like, it's just my favorite. It's not necessarily rich, dark fox red that almost looks like a 
Irish setter, you know what I'm saying? Like, but they're just dark, beautiful, rich colored yellow labs. And those who breed for color would probably say fox red. Um, I just want you guys to all understand that it's not necessarily a color thing. It's just kind of my personal preference that I like them a little bit darker. So anyways, I'm really excited for that. So if you like that dark yellow fox red like I'm talking about, you can slide into that DM as well and reach out to us. We have a few people on that waiting list as well. But I would say don't wait. Let's let's get you on the list. Let's make sure that the, the breedings took place on both of these litters. And I'd be happy to answer questions and send pedigrees and pictures and share my experience with all these dogs and um, get you and your family and your hunting buddies a new bad-to-the-bone duck dog, a new bad-to-the-bone competitor. If you are looking to get a dog that's going to take you to the next level, I mean, I'm doing the best I can to provide that. So um, that's the most exciting thing going on right now uh, as far as our southern trip. It's been very good. It's been, on at times, overwhelming. It's been, at times, cold and rainy, which still beats New York, Kevin. Um, Kevin is taking care of my homing pigeons, so you, so you can maybe quickly tell everyone how many feet of snow my house has. Uh, not, I don't know, a foot. Nothing bad. Your snowplow guy's been on fire, though, so that's good. And we had a few... Uh, speaking of birth announcements, have had a few pigeons born. So, congrats! That's exciting. I'm a daddy. Yeah, no, that's phenomenal. Um, really fired up to see my my pig crew, pigeons. That's slang for pigeons, everyone. If you didn't know, see all your homies. Oh, mm-hmm. kennels. Yeah, my homies. Um. Shout out to Standing Stone Kennels. Yes, absolutely. Uh, they have that uh, Pigeon Homies hat on their site. They're on their Standing Stone Kennels store. Get some. Yeah, Standing Stone Supply, baby. Get that homie hat. Get you some leather products. Get you some easy leads, baby. Uh, but anyways, I'm glad to hear that we have a foot of snow at home because it was 75 and I got a little sunburn today. Not to rub it in. Um, but listen, dude, let's do some Q&A from the old Instagrams. I'm about to pull it up right now. We had a lot roll in, and they were good ones. Um, I sort of answered some already, such as, do you think denials help whining with anticipation? I said, denials can help. Corrections on the line, meaning indirect pressure on sit. So sit with maybe a healing stick. Sit, tap, sit can help um we've talked about this eight hundred thousand times on the podcast about dogs who whine in the blind and and are vocal it's extremely hard to fix and i would tell you you need to fix it now when they're babies when they're puppies they're barking in the crate knock it out now when they are being noisy for food time knock it out now If they're going to whine and bark for you feeding them, you bet your sweet butt they're going to whine and bark when ducks are cupped up in your decoys. So, 
when you do it now, you now meaning as a baby, address it. Teach him what quiet means. Grab him by the collar, grab him by the muzzle, gently slash firmly, give him a correction, and tell him quiet, and be super, super consistent. When they bark and whine in the crate, be super, super consistent. Quiet, go in there, quiet, grab him by the scruff, quiet, grab him by the muzzle, quiet, no, quiet, close the crate, walk back to the other room. As they start to whine again, you walk back into the room, no, quiet, grab him by the scruff, grab him by the muzzle, grab him by the collar, no, quiet. And all of a sudden, you're starting to teach this dog that like that behavior is unwanted, and at 8, 10, 12, 16 weeks, we start curbing it into a more patient, quiet puppy. And then when you start getting into big dog stuff, non-issue. So that that is it. But I think denials can help. I also think denials can hurt. I think denials create more anticipation, more anxiety, more stress, more excitement, and therefore whining can increase. I believe that both denials and corrections are a tool to try and get the job done. And then you figure out what you need to do with your dog. Another mini uh, quick. I got one. Uh, Isaac Scott had a good one about distances on the mode pass for key pattern. Like when you're running key pattern, don't give it a full rundown of what key pattern is. But when you're mowing paths for that, like 25 yards, 100 yards. Oh, good question, bud. So I'm reading that one as well. Distances of my mode pass for key pattern. So now people want to create distance on key pattern. I disagree. I want my back pile probably 60 to 75 yards away. And I want my over piles. If you look at a base, if you can close your eyes, unless you're driving right now, close your eyes, envision a baseball diamond. You and your dog are at home plate. First base is an over pile. Second base is your back pile. Third base is your other over pile. And home plate or uh, pitcher's mound is where you're going to stop the dog. Okay. My back pile is 75 yards away. My over piles from the pitcher's mound are probably 30 yards away. Okay, so between the two over piles is 60-something yards. But I don't need a 100, 150-yard tee pattern. I would rather have it be mildly condensed. There's two schools of thought, so let me hit this real quick. I'd rather have it be mildly condensed so that I can get more reps of the drill before they literally physically exhaust themselves. If the distances of these paths, if these distances of your T pattern are so big, they're going to physically exhaust themselves doing the job and you're going to get eight reps instead of 18. Okay. Now, if it's not big enough of a distance from your line to the back pile to your over piles, let's say you do 15 yards. I don't know. Now that I'm talking in yards, I don't know. It, it 30 yards is 30 times 3 is 66 feet. Yeah, maybe it is that. Anyways, sorry, my math sucks. Kevin's laughing, but he's on mute because he's, you know, whatever. But good laugh. I appreciate you. It's here to support. Yeah. Um, if they're too tight to that line to the back pile, then your dog's going to have a hard time looking to the left over pile, to the right over pile, to the back pile, to the right over pile, to the back pile, to the left over pile, and their head's going to just 
swing and be really difficult to line them up and dig back to the back pile. And so you need to make sure that there's this happy medium of distance between all these piles and white poles that you do on T-pattern. The bigger you make it, the less reps you're doing. The smaller you make it, the more difficult you make it to get them to dig back to the back pile. So anyways, great question, Isaac. I dig you, buddy. Uh, Tanner, Tanner dot Whitmire. On a normal training week, do you do mostly hunt test setups or do you mix in field trial setups? That's a good question, bud. Lately, I've been doing a little bit more field trial setups because I've got a group of dogs that I'd like to compete in that. So I'm doing more white coat looking out for long guns, past short guns, um, retired birds, which is they see one bird get thrown, they see a second bird get thrown, and the first bird thrower goes and hides. That's what a retired gun is. Um, so we're developing a little bit more field trial stuff in our dogs. But in the grand scheme of things, dude, I train dogs. I'm not training them necessarily to pass a hunt test or pass a, or, or win a field trial and that's a weird concept to maybe even talk out loud because, like, of course I'm trying to pass hunt tests and pass field trials, but I'm trying to teach concepts to the dogs. Keyhole blinds, keyhole marks, channel blinds, down the shore blinds, um, down uh, running through old falls. I'm trying to build this repertoire in their toolbox to have a complete retriever at the end of it. And at the end of it, we should be able to go to a hunt test and pass. We should be able to go to a field trial and compete. And so I'm not setting up, let's say I've got a hunt test next weekend. I'm trying to train these dogs. I'm not trying to train to pass. Now, as we get real close to that hunt test, I might start cracking down on my obedience. I might shorten my marks up from 250 yards to 60. That's for damn sure. But... I'm I'm not training to pass a test. I'm training to train. And then we pass tests and, and stuff like that because of it. So keep that in mind when you're working your dog. Now, um, I understand your question. I think it was more complex than me being basic about it. But um, if I'm only trying to pass a hunt test, then you can throw 60 to 120-yard marks and run 110-yard blinds and do just fine. But I like to extend all that stuff. If they can do bigger things, if they can do more complex things, it's kind of like sports. If you're playing with 20-year-olds and you're 15, you're going to play up to that level. So I want to train these dogs up a level and be confident and great at the level above. And then when I go to, let's say, a, a senior test, those senior dogs should be really doing pretty well at the master dog stuff. Not quite there, but they should be doing well. Then they go to a senior test and they're like, oh, whap, whap, whap. Let's go, baby. So that's my answer for that, buddy. Uh, Kev, why don't you read me one real quick? Yeah, this is a good one. So I read this quickly and it says, <laughs> it says managing diarrhea from stress with puppies on the road. And I was like, oh, man, someone's making a joke. That's great. And then I read that the one before it and it said from the same person and it says just picked up my pup from Missouri and headed back to Colorado with a couple other puppies 
he must have, or she, must have hit send without finishing it, and it turned into two. But at first, I just thought they were having diarrhea. So yeah. probiotics, man. Probiotics. Um, well, no. That's not the I'm answer. Ki- I mean, I'm kidding. I, okay, oh. I meant for him. Oh, sorry. Diarrhea. I'm like, I don't know about um, probiotics, but. No. Um, no it's just. Bussing chops. Give him yeah, some yeah, yog- yeah. yogurt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some insure, like a grandpa. Just kidding again, everyone. Um, all right, so here's the deal. There's a few reasons that puppies might have a little runny, runny, poopy poops. One, they may be sick, right? There could be giardia, coccidia, worms, whatever. Two, could be being overfed. The richness of the food that we feed uh is is tough on a puppy who's taken from their siblings and now traveling in a car with strangers. And so you're right. When they have stress, all of a sudden, things get loose. So typically, if you had asked me beforehand on your road trip, I would have told you give them bare minimum food. Like if you give them three quarters of a cup for a meal, I'd give them like a quarter cup. I mean, I would give them just enough to hold them over. And a little, little bit of water. You're not going to starve them to death. And this is, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a nutritionist. I'm just a dog trainer who's done a lot of road trips with puppies. And I'd rather have them be a little bit hungry and a little bit thirsty than having diarrhea, poop in the crate, pee in the crate, getting up every 30 minutes and peeing. Like if I got an eight hour ride and I got a baby, baby puppy with me, they're getting that. It's only eight hours. They're going to be okay. Give them a little bit less than you're comfortable with. And therefore, if they have stressful diarrhea, there's not a bunch of dog food in their belly keeping it irritated. Okay? So an empty belly is a more calm belly for a baby puppy. That's my opinion. Not necessarily scientific opinion, but that's my experience and what I would do if I were you. Uh, CJ was wondering, or brought up a good one here. On short retrieves, I get a victory lap. But on long retrieves, it's a perfect delivery to hand. How are you going to tidy that up? Um, all right. I'm going to try and find and that's it. That's all I've said, so I don't know. On short retrieves, I get a victory lap. On long retrieves, I get it better. All right. Real quick, my thought is, I think we talked about it in the last podcast about challenging the dog, or maybe I've just had this conversation with several people lately on Patreon, hashtag patreon.com forward slash lone duck outfitters, where, you know, folks are nervous to challenge their dogs. And so the dogs are bored and they get the same marks in the same soccer field or the same backyard. And so they're bored. They're not getting stimulated and pushed to where they want to be. So they're like, "Eh, I'll just take a couple hot laps because it's more fun to do that than to do it right. Where when you stretch them out, they're more engaged, they're more challenged, they're thinking about things, and now they're doing it. Now, I don't know this dog, and I don't know what's going on, but if it's through force fetch and collar conditioning, no such thing as a hot lap. Here, Nick, here, baby. Get in here. Here, heel, sit. And when they start, if I have a dog that's through force fetch, and I have a dog who's, coll- like, it's collar conditioning first, then force fetch. If I have that, 
in my toolbox, then it is fair to say, here, Nick, here. Heel, Nick, heel. Sit. And so you prevent the victory lap from happening because I'm premeditating the correction. And I'm creating a new behavior by doing that. So if I'm, let's say I throw four marks. Mark number one. Here, you know, he's 10, 15, 20 feet away from me. Here, Nick, here. Now he's eight feet away from me. Heel, Nick, heel. All of a sudden he's like, oh, oh. Oh, he means business. Not a hot lap. We're here to do work. I got to be under control. Different mind frame. Verse, throw a mark, send them. They go, they start galloping around. They're super pumped. And they do a loop-de-loop around you. No. Now, back up. If they aren't collar conditioned, if they aren't force-fetched, can't do that. Put them on a check cord. As soon as they start that hot lap, grab the check cord, reel them in, sit down, throw it again, you know, throw another one. Like, it's just a part of the process. Tease them with your hat. Tease them with another bumper. Get them to come back to you. But at a certain age, six, seven months old, it's time to start collar conditioning, time to start force fetch. And by eight months old, we've got the tools in the tool belt to mitigate that problem. Let's do two more, big dog. You pick them. I like this one. This is a boozy. Uh, River AT. River, probably River Rat, huh? River, River Rat Retrievers. <laughs> I, I'm looking at it, too. I knew it was River Rat. You're like, River AT Retrievers. River Rat Retrievers. Yeah, listen. It's not my fault you got so many R's in there. Who planned that one? Uh, was wondering, what are your thoughts on when you're setting up uh, fields, water marks, blind placement? Like, What are the types of things that you think about when you're setting up for the day? All right, that's a good question. Um, all right. What am I thinking about? I'm thinking about who I'm running. I'm thinking about what we did last week. I'm thinking about what we want to accomplish this week. I'm thinking about what I'm teaching right now. What am I going to teach in the setup? Is it running through an old ball? Is it pointing out a long bird through several holding blinds that are shorter, meaning I've got a holding blind or a stick man, white stick man at 80 yards, 120, and then the long one is 240. So I want them to look past those two short ones for the long one. What am I, what am I, what are my goals? What am I trying to accomplish? So I'm going to try and create a sort of pattern in a week or two or three weeks to teach concepts. Maybe I am seeing my dogs need more work on keyhole marks or blinds. Guess what we're going to run for the next week or two. I'm going to look for the fields to work on keyholes. And a keyhole is basically hedgerows, trees, bushes, and one on either side. And that dog has to go straight through them. Okay. So close your eyes. Unless you're driving, you've got a hedgerow to the left a 15, 20 foot gap, and then a hedgerow on the right. And there's another field on the other side. And that dog's got to hold a straight line through the gap between the two hedgerows and keep going straight. 
The dog's natural tendency is to either bang to the left or bang to the right, not hold their line straight. So I've got to teach that. So I might work on that. And you can do it through trees, you know, two apple trees. Run them between the two instead of going around them. Um, Two islands on water, stuff like that. That's a keyhole. So there are concepts that I want to teach. And so I kind of talked about it earlier for a second, but I'm looking at where are my dogs struggling? What do I need to focus on? Right now, the the younger big dogs, which is a weird thing to say, but like the year-and-a-half to two-year-old dogs that are tickling the master line but aren't there yet, they're learning down-the-shore stuff. They're wanting to get out a little bit early. So we're working a lot on that. Um, we're honing their casting in the water a little more. They're rusty from hunting season or whatever it is. So... You know, I'm looking at what my dogs need, the concepts I need to teach them, and what fields or ponds can can get that done. And then without repeating those marks and repeating those blinds in the same locations over and over again, I'm trying to find those similar concepts in different fields or in different ponds to show them that picture to create a success. Um, also, uh, uh, the lastly, a good rule of thumb for setups is easy to get to hard to find, easy to get to hard to find. So maybe it's kind of a flat field open and there's a patch of thick grass, throw it there. So they have big, wide open run, and then they got to kind of hunt that cover. Or hard to get to, easy to find. They've got to traverse the terrain and the cover or the pond and make decisions to be challenged on the way to the bird or bumper. But once they reach their destination, it's not a hunt. It's right there. So they did the hard part by getting there. Now it's boom right there. So they're not having a hard time and then having to put on a big-ass hunt. It's challenge themselves, challenge themselves. Oh, look at that. Easy success. But they had the challenge in route. So easy to get to, hard to find. Hard to find, easy to get to. Or hard to get to, easy to find. So those are my school two thoughts there. Kevin, give me one more, and then we got to roll because – the next podcast we got up is with Kevin Sheff, the Retriever Coach. So, uh, spoiler alert, next episode, Retriever Coach. Ba-boom, baby. Schwan Austin was wondering what impressed you the most about the bite dogs out at uh, the Street League events. Oh, man. Good question, and thank you for asking. I mean, we didn't even get into it, but I do want to hear a little bit about it. Yeah, maybe we'll do another episode just me and you, you know, in a month or so or a couple weeks. I don't know. Anyways, K9 Street. You don't have the memory for that. I do. Come on, bro. So K9 Street League, super badass. Super impressed with the obedience that the dogs had. Um, The teamwork, the tenacity to do what they love. Right, so what they love is is biting people, <laughs> just like ours love to go get a duck, and so to have that control and discipline in that environment, 
and then immediately flip a switch and tag somebody was really cool to see. Um, and and I don't know if you guys watched fully, but you can check it out at uh, on YouTube at Primal Canine on YouTube or Instagram. It's uh, Primal Canine or Canine Street League. But anyways, uh, what was I going to say? Dang, I gave him a shout out and forgot my train of thought. But anyways, do to do. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Well, you, uh, he was asking about like the what was the most impressive thing about watching the bite dogs, and you started talking about the obedience and how cool it was, and then you snowballed. Yeah, I just think like the, my favorite part was the carjacking. Oh, I think I was saying like you can go back and rewatch it on their YouTube, but my most favorite part was the carjacking. And so it's kind of like our Super Retriever series where they take a field trial, they take a hunt test, and then they jumble it all up in this bag of tricks and literally throw anything and anything out there to monkey with a dog and handler and see which dog comes out on top. Um, it's, it's fantastic. And so this carjacking is like no other quote-unquote carjacking that protection dog sports has they get in the car like normally it's like a dog's in a car and a guy tries to steal the car this is owner gets in a car drives the car gets out of the car walks away from the dog and now the dog is like where are you going bud i can't you know i can see over here like and they're like you know think about your happy labrador like watching you walk into the grocery store and just staring at you, and then someone tries to jack your car. They're probably like, what are you doing? Uh, I don't know you, Sam, right? Like, they just don't know. So it threw a few dogs for a loop, but then other dogs were like, you're not my owner, wham, 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 wham. But the other cool part is the dude in the suit. His name was Brian Ryan. Super cool guy from Arkansas. Him and his son, Duck Hunt, have a duck dog. We had a great time talking. But anyways, probably should have him on the podcast. Anyways, Brian had to get in the car. So when your dog's on the driver's side seat and you have to get in the car, where's his mouth? Right by your face. So he, as a bite suit decoy, has to finagle getting bit or not getting bit and get in the car and turn it on. If he can turn the car on, your dog's DQ'd. If he can get in the car and your dog just whammies him, you're in. Um, so it was super cool, man. I, I really, really enjoyed it. But guys, real quick, I want you to do a couple things. One, if you're watching on iTunes, listening on iTunes, I want you to give us a, a, a follow Give us a five-star review. If you have anything less than a five-star review, go suck it. Uh, appreciate that. Uh, next up, I want you to join our Patreon. I'm asking a favor. If we've answered your question on Instagram, if we've answered your question here on the podcast, if you enjoy the show, Kevin and I are trying our best to provide better audio, better videos, better, more YouTube, but Patreon is the community to join where we do twice a month happy hours where you sit on Zoom with us, drinking beer, talking dogs, and training and answer your questions. It's a more in-depth place where you can touch base with me. I'm here to help you. 
I want to help you. That's why we have a podcast. But Patreon is the place to go to support that. It's like buying me and Kevin a beer, and it helps us do a better job. So please check out patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. Um, if you like hats and t-shirts and hoodies and all that jazz or need a new e-collar or anything like that, you can check out LoneDuckOutfitters.com. Um, again, we appreciate your understanding and um, support as we transition to the new arena of Purina. I don't know. I don't know, Kevin. We'll have to dabble. we got to dabble, but... We're really excited to do it, but it's coming along. Yep. We really appreciate their support. Um, And then we didn't do it earlier, but as you heard Kevin mention it in the podcast, Ethan and Kat from Standing Stone Kennels have also joined us as a partner. And so check them out at Standing Stone Kennels on Instagram and Standing Stone Supplies for a bunch of good gun dog gear. So thank you to them. All right, Kev. Let's jump off this and jump on to Kevin Chef's episode. Guys, stay tuned for that one next week. Baby. Hey, if you haven't done it already, jump into patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. If you enjoy the show and want to support the show, if this show has helped you and your dog grow together, if you enjoy our Instagram, if we've helped you at all, it's like buying me and Kevin a beer and you get more one-on-one from me. You get content that doesn't hit Instagram or YouTube and it enters you to win a free hunt with me and Kevin in Missouri this duck season. So jump on, links in the description. We'd be happy to have you and love to help you. Hey listeners, Nick Larson here, host of the Bird Shop Podcast. As fans of this show, you may be interested in the conversations on the Bird Shop Podcast, where we discuss all things upland hunting, from upland birds and their habitat and conservation, to the shotguns, bird dogs, and gear used to pursue them. Whether you're a seasoned upland hunter or just getting started and wanting to learn more, I interview a wide range of guests, each with their own unique perspective and valuable experience to share. If you're on the hunt for more upland hunting conversation, please consider subscribing to the Bird Shop Podcast today. Thank you.